Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Minutes with Mute. Scott Mutrin joins us. You know him from the BC Learfield IMG Radio Network. He's a salary reporter for all the BC football games and was up there, of course, for a nice win for BC, 58-27 to over Syracuse. BC approves to 5-4. and four. Before we get to Scott, also want to remind you and uh, join the other BC Football Gridiron members, the fans, if you need to be a part of it, bcfootballgridiron.com is your website to sign up. Uh, you can go on road trips. They have parties the night before road games. Also tailgates the day of the game on Chestnut Hill. Uh, giveaways, newsletters. It's the group to be a part of if you're a BC football fan. So that's bcfootballgridiron.com. All right, we welcome in Scott Mutrin, who uh, back from Syracuse. We were talking before. That was a great trip for you. Logistics-wise, you were home uh, Saturday evening. A nice, easy road trip. Yeah, if we could do road trips like that every time, I would I would sign up for those all the time. Early game, leave uh, in the afternoon on Friday, back early on Saturday, and a big W where the you know the team plays really well. There's nothing like it. That's the way. That's the way I draw it up for me. If we, if I could every time. So BC wins fifty eight to twenty seven, thirty four to three. BC outscores Syracuse in the second quarter. That was kind of where they pulled away. AJ Dillon thirty five carries, two hundred and forty two yards. Wow! And uh, Grossell, Corp QB Dennis Grossell, eight for ten, hundred ninety five yards, manual, and a uh, three TD. So just your general uh, macro level thoughts here on the win uh, as BC approves the five and four, Scott. Offensively, you you know you mentioned the two standouts, but David Bailey also had a big game, and and that's really attributed to the offensive line. They're opening up some pretty big holes there, and you know BC actually came out behind the eight ball and turned the ball over in two consecutive plays uh, with the David Bailey fumble and a Hunter Long fumble, and they got behind Syracuse, but. Once they kind of settled in, they, they had their way at the line of scrimmage and were really able to dictate terms running the football and being able to hit some deep play action passes and hitting two 50-yard-plus touchdown passes, one to Kobe White and one to Zay Flowers. And when you're able to connect on those and, and then able to run the football like they did, that's the perfect recipe or the perfect storm, you would say, for the BC offenses to be able to do that. So... It was impressive to see Dennis Grissel played a nice game. He, he used his legs too when he when he had to a couple times, and uh, I really give the offensive line a ton of credit. They were able to move guys and really get get upfield and allow the the running backs, the Buffalo boys, to have a a big day. But you know, AJ Dillon, three touchdowns, really cementing his legacy in in the BC record books, and his second touchdown was something. You know, I think he ran over six guys on the play, and two of them may have been his own teammates. But it was just a just a just a desired run when you watch him run the football. It's just he wasn't going to be denied, and it was impressive just to watch the amount of of guys and tacklers that he sheds. And it's really nice to be able to see him play this year at 100 percent versus last year where he was hobbled by that ankle injury. So 
really, truly appreciative to see A.J. Dillon playing at, you know, peak performance right now and the numbers that he's putting up. And Defensively, you look at it, and at B.C., you know, they started out giving up a touchdown drive in the opening drive, and then they had, they had to give up 10 points off two turnovers. But after that, they really kind of settled in and were able to make a couple plays. Uh, they did give up over 400 yards of offense, but they made Syracuse work for it besides one long touchdown pass. Uh, BC, uh, two maybe two long touchdown passes. BC did a pretty good job containing that, and, and they, I thought they tackled well in space. Nolan Borgerson had a couple big tackles on third downs. Um, and, you know, they did, they did a good job on a down that's been hurting them a lot. On third down, they held Syracuse 5 for 17, I think, and they were 2 for 5 on fourth down, and they got a huge fourth down stop in the opening drive of the second half where it didn't give Syracuse a chance of gaining any momentum, and they get the ball back and go right down and score. Um, so, I mean, you get any time where your offense gets six consecutive touchdown drives, you're usually going to have a pretty good day offensively. But I think the defense... Uh, should be commended for, for their efforts. They had a, a bunch of big plays and, you know, their ability to get off the field and, and not give up a lot of points. There were some points at the end, but I thought they bowed their necks pretty well. And with all the, you know, there's a ton of injuries in the secondary for all the guys that had to come in there and, and contribute. They, they did a really good job of holding that, that potent Syracuse passing offense to, uh, you know, to, to a limited amount of big plays. And Scott, like as a former QB yourself, always interested in your take. Dennis Grossell, uh, I mentioned earlier, 8 for 10, 195 yards, 3 TDs. What's your general take on his progression? And do you, is he kind of being used serviceable? Eight for, you know, 10 attempts, not a heck of a lot of attempts, but 3 TDs. Which is, what's your overall uh, take on Grossell? I mean, on his 8 completions, he almost threw for 200 yards. Like we mentioned earlier, 2 touchdown passes over 50 yards, and then you know, you look at those completions and you say, all right, eight, eight completions. Well, six of those completions were for 20 yards plus. So those are those are chunk plays. And then you look at the other one was a play action down at the goal line that was a touchdown. So he was very efficient. I thought he made two really big throws in the, in the second half on third downs, one to Kobe White and, and one to Ethan Williams, where he, uh, you know, he made he stood in there and took a shot where – he had to. He knew he was going to get hit, and he still delivered good throws. That those are the type of things when you make plays like that that really rally your locker room. I think the, especially the offensive line. The offensive line love when their quarterback standing there and deliver it under pressure, and and, and are able to deliver even if you know, the, the blocking's not perfect. So, you know, kudos to him for making the plays. He didn't have a lot of opportunities to do it, but he made the most of every single one of those opportunities, and uh, he, he's done a good job. So far, I, you know, you, you say it every week that you want to see them open it up, but it's, it, it looks pretty much for these last three games that they're going to try to hit some big play-action passes. They're not going to try to deviate from that running game too much. So he's going to have to be able to throw the ball and those big chunk plays, and then he's going to have to be able to convert on third downs and third and longs. And if he does that, then that, that offense gets to stay on the field and really gets to show its, its value and usefulness because they're able to – to wear teams down, and, and as you face these defenses where they're trying to put a lot of guys in the box, and those guys usually tend to be either if they bring another linebacker on the field or if they're bringing safeties or other defensive backs, those guys tend to be you know 180 to maybe 200-pound guys, and you're giving up 40, 50 pounds to A.J. Dillon and, and David Bailey trying to tackle those guys. So when you're doing that, it, it – 
it may start off all right, but if you're able to stay on the field and get those, you know, those those runs and those body blows on those guys, it, it pays off as the game goes on. And you see it in teams' effort and, and those safeties trying to tackle those guys later in the game. They just they just lose the desire to do that. But Dennis Cristel needs to be able to hold up his end of the bargain and to be able to complete passes and make plays in the passing game so that. Uh, so that they keep the defenses at least honest and force those guys to, to play the pass. And, and if they don't, then you got to be able to capitalize and hit those big plays, which he did this past weekend. And then, you know, we look at Syracuse, just thinking about watching the game, just thinking about them. I can only really imagine what their fan base is thinking. Ten wins last year, and now they're just falling apart this year. What was your just general pressure? I know you weren't focused on them, but just Syracuse as a whole, that team, the downward progression they faced from last year to this year. Well, on the defensive side, you notice that they just um, they weren't as strong in the point of attack as they were last year. Now, this defense had some pretty decent numbers going into this game, but I think is um, you know they, they struggled a little bit to try to stop the BC running game. BC running game is pretty unique. Uh, it's unlike a lot of offenses that are in the country right now. It's tough to really prepare for that. Uh, so I thought, you know, and then they just had some blown coverages. And once they kind of got worn down, it looked like they – you know, they just kind of had let BC have their way with them. And, you know, the defensive coordinator gets fired at the end of that game. So, he, you know, Dino Babers obviously didn't feel very strongly about their effort or, or their scheme coming out of that game. And then offensively, it was pretty evident that um, they're struggling up front to, to block BC. Uh, although they had some big plays, BC was able to at least, you know, control their running game and, and at least put some pressure on the quarterback sometimes and, and then force them to you know, out of their comfort zone. So I, I really, you really notice their, you know, BC's not a very dynamic pass rush team this year, and they were able to, to generate some pressure versus them, and other teams have had some success, but you can really see they're, they're struggling to find capable bodies on that offensive line. And you can't block anybody up front. It doesn't matter how good your quarterback and receivers are. It's, it's a tough road as an offense if you, if you can't really get it fitted up in the front. It's, it's going to make it for a long day because taking a lot of hits and you're just not really getting a lot of opportunities to make plays. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Okay, we move on this Saturday, 12 noon at the Heights. Florida State, a team that in name sounds strong, but is struggling this year, 4-5. and five. Fired head coach Willie Taggart last Sunday. And uh, so this team is limping in, interim head coach. And you have to think, this is a good opportunity, Scott, for BC to pounce and become bowl eligible and get their sixth win on Saturday. Yeah, well, Odell Haggins is taking over the program. He's a 20, I believe he's been there 26 years. He was actually the guy that filled in when That's right. Fisher left to take the job at A&M. And uh, he's been a lifelong guy there. So I think he's tried to change some of the, you know, the mindset of that team. It's tough. I mean, you lose your coach and, you know, he's recruited some of those guys. He's, only, he's been there less than two years. But, you know, Comments made even by Kirk Herbstreet this year about this week about you know the lack of discipline and and the lack of uh, you know kind of I don't want to say professionalism because especially that walks a weird line but the, the the lack of discipline and kind of following 
through and, and doing your job there just doesn't doesn't seem to be there. Their attention to detail is lacking. They 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 have a, get a significant amount of penalties per game. They're they're one of the leaders in the countries in penalties per game. Um, you know that's an issue that that plagues Syracuse as well. And when you're playing undisciplined football and and you're not really executing in a place for Florida State where they expect excellence and they expect to be competing for national championships. And when you're going and looking at back-to-back 500 seasons, that's just not going to fly. So you got to be able to hold uh, yourselves accountable. And it's going to be interesting to see because you got a lot of guys that are going to be coming up here. The weather, the weather doesn't look like it's going to be Florida weather for them up here on Saturday. So. You just hope that BC doesn't give them an opportunity to hang around and BC's able to get on them kind of quick and maybe get Florida State a chance to roll over. You kind of hope that was going to happen last year down in Florida State because it was pretty similar to the circumstances of this year. And BC had an opportunity to score a couple times early last year and had a couple interceptions that hurt them and let Florida State hang around. And then Samorian Terry catched a 74-yard pass to, to win the game late. So that left a bad taste in BC's mouth. But... Hopefully there's not a repeat of that this year. BC's got to be able to, to come out and really, you know, if they're going to be successful, the blueprint is that they got to insert their will offensively on Florida State. Florida State's got some talent. Don't get me wrong. There's four or five star recruits there, and if, if they're playing at their, you know, peak level, they're, they're tough to beat. But BC's got to, you know, really discourage them from wanting to hang around and encourage them to, you know, uh, hustle up off the field and go sit on that those heaters on the bench with those big parkas and stay warm as fast as they can and then head back to the warm weather of Tallahassee. But uh, there's a lot of talent there. there. There's no mistake in that. Their record may not show it, but you know it's going to be interesting to see how these guys rally when Willie Taggart gone and they rally around an assistant that's been there the entire time that every one of those guys has been there. So you just never know what to expect in these situations when – when uh, teams lose their head coach, sometimes they rally around it. Sometimes, uh, you know, they go in the tank. So you're just going to have to wait to see what what Florida State comes out with on, on Saturday afternoon. And you're right, too, from a BC perspective, that game last year, that's not motivation enough. I mean, geez, you lose to Clemson in 7-3 going to Tallahassee. That's a game you really need to have to make the eighth win. And BC laid an egg, you know, against Florida State down there. They should have won that game. Uh, so you have to think coach has got to bring that up this week and uh, get the troops really fired up to get some revenge for that game. Yeah, I think more than anything, there are so many factors in this game. You're looking at, one, BC gets a win and they're bowl eligible. Two, it's, uh, it's senior day, which is always an important day for, for guys after you've invested so much time and effort in the program that one day to go out with your parents at midfield that last time putting on your home uniform at Boston College. That's a really special day. And finally, it's Red Bandana Day, which is the biggest one of all. I mean, to honor the Crowther family and Wells Crowther, it is such an embodiment of what BC is and what it's all about. So there are so many emotional, positive factors for BC going into this game that you're really going to have a tough time thinking that they're not going to be charged up uh, walking in here and, and, and you know, some of these guys play in their last game in, in a BC uniform, which you know holds a special place in their heart, and and what they want to do for the Crowder family because it's just such an important game and important thing for the, the Boston College community that Steve Adazio uh, really takes to heart the message of, of Wells Crowder and the motto of being a man for others and paying the ultimate sacrifice. So I expect you're going to see a, a very 
animated, fired up PC team. You almost want them to not be too fired up, but uh, you're going to see a, uh, a team ready to go and, and ready to really put, put a mark on this, this last home game for the season. All right, Scott, just to wrap up, what's your uh, game day plans? What are we doing for food-wise? And tra- well, you're not traveling, but uh, Chester Hill, early game. You're going to do a little post-game dinner afterwards maybe? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, last week I, we had the opportunity. We landed and we got to go to Dinosaur Barbecue, which is an unbelievable uh, little barbecue spot in Syracuse, and the food was great. No one got sick. We had a great crew for the game, great fun, great people. Um you know, a lot of great stories. That's one of the fun times of the road trip when you get to meet some of the people on the road trips, former uh, BC players or, or BC alums, and just to hear their stories, it's always great to, to find that camaraderie, and that was a really special moment last week. But this week, you know, it's tough because it's an early game. Uh, I got to, my kids, are, I think they probably have an early hockey game, so I'm going to probably watch a quick hockey game, um, jet over to the stadium, call the game, Bundle up, stay warm. I think that's the goal. It looks like it's supposed to snow, so you're going to have a freezing cold mute on the sidelines. But uh, And then I'll probably warm up after the game, maybe uh, have a nice dinner and, and go out somewhere around. And, and my haunch is down on the south shore, probably probably somewhere along that way, and hopefully celebrate a BCW with some, some BC fans that I have around the way. So that's, that's usually a... Uh, that's that's a, little, a favorite uh, post game thing to do. We have some BC uh, fans in my neighborhood, so BC grads in the neighborhood. So it's always good to have that. But most importantly, looking forward to you know Red Bandana Day and, and Senior Day. There are a lot of special kids on on this team, guys that uh, really enjoyed watching play, especially the captains Tanner Carafa and especially Ben Glines. Uh, just such a special guy, and and I really, really Ben and his family are just really great uh, BC fans and embodiment of Boston College people so it's going to be you know bittersweet to see his final game but you know as a captain and everything that he's done kind of an unsung hero guy but you know it's it's great to see the the reward of that last game so I'm going to try and enjoy that I I do enjoy uh, seeing that I've been in that situation and know the uh, the finality of that feeling is pretty overwhelming so you you really it's it's a very emotional time but you get to just enjoy it and really appreciate everything that these seniors put into the program can't believe it, it seems so early in the year because you know bc has a bye week and the two more games but you're right you can't it's, it's, yeah, but, it's senior day yeah it's true but it's still you know it's still november and you know it, it might be the last time you get a chance to see aj Dillon. yep boston college so as, as fans no it's cold but it's perfect fall football weather come out and see the greatest running back in boston college history play maybe his final game at alumni stadium i don't know anything but you know Today's day and age, you, you can't help but wonder if this is his last game. And he's chasing records now. He's already passed the BC records now. He's gonna, he's chasing ACC all-time leading uh, rushing records. So there's still, you know, there's still a chance for him to do that. So let's come on out and watch AJ Dillon play for maybe his last time at Alumni Stadium because uh, he's truly a special, special player. And he's uh, he's been a treat to watch these these two and almost three years now. All right, Scott. Well said, and we appreciate you. Uh, joining us here on the Minutes of Mute, another edition, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with a bowl-eligible Boston College next week. Love to hear it, Mike. Thanks a lot. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, 
and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.